this is chapter number three of Down the Rabbit Hole. Welcome everybody. This is the only binary podcast that you will find where we treat the sci-fi part, the conspiracy theories, and the science of each episode and of each topic. And my co-host, Carl Baldwin. Hello, Carl. How are you? Morning, Rafa. I'm fine. Thanks. And my name is Rafael Riz, and we're here to bring you a new topic today. It's uh, about finding a new place where to live. Humans finding a new Earth, an exoplanet. It would have to be. Now, uh, how easy would it be to find an exoplanet? That uh, we will talk also about the science of it in the second part of the in the in the binary in the second part of this uh, episode. Yeah, but in this one we're going to kind of just talk about the kind of planets we've read about in science fiction or seen mm -hmm. in movies. Yes, that's a perfect way to start. Yeah. Which ones are some of the most famous planets that we can re uh, remember right now from movies or books, for yeah. example? Why the most memorable? Yeah. I think for me, one of the most recent memorable kind of exoplanets is Pandora from uh, James Cameron's Avatar. Avatar. Great mm -hmm. movie. Yes. And a good example, I think, um, of uh, a planet that won't natively support human life. Uh-huh. So they had to do something. Yes. And it was really interesting, for example, vegetation. Yeah. Everything was augmented. Of course, the size of the planet differs a lot in the size of Earth. Mm. It was, I don't remember how many times bigger. Bigger, yeah. And everything was bigger. Yeah, and all the uh, all the biome, all the plants and everything were all kind of kind of somehow interconnected somehow. Mm -hmm. It was completely different to... Well, I, I think that is something similar to what uh, some people... Uh, think or believe from Earth oh, yeah. to be a live uh, entity. And, you know, this concept of Gaia. This concept of Gaia. And, of course, there is also, um, you're right, there is a kind of a parallel in that it's now thought that, uh, for example, plants and trees actually do actually communicate with each other in a simple way. Uh-huh. Um, so... In a way, kind of the concept on Pandora was like that idea on steroids, I think. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly, on steroids, because it was everything Everything big. was yeah. kind of... And they had to create these kind of, these avatars, mm. uh, uh, engineered... Based, based on engineered native life form. Mm -hmm. So that they can transfer the human consciousness there yeah. to be able to be alone along the to, natives. Well, to help them exploit the natives, yeah. which was their main purpose of being there. Yes. They being the, <laughs> they being the indigenous species and our, necess our necessity to wipe them out in order to make some money. Do, do you think that that would be the main reason for trying to find an exoplanet? Exploitation? Uh, economical advantage? I, I, or just move... Because we need a new home. Well, let's be honest. We've run out of resources, haven't we? Uh -huh. So I think there was a there is a website somewhere that shows 
at any moment uh, how many planet Earth's worth of resources we're actually consuming like right now. Uh And at the moment, that is at something like we are consuming resources at something like 1.3 Earths. So, wow. so if we if we continue, clearly we're going to end up living on a hollowed out planet somehow mm-hmm. because we'll have scooped everything out that's of any use <laughs> that's inside it. So clearly we yeah. do, uh, you know, these visions that we read about and that we see in movies, um, maybe they're just an expression of some inner need or realisation that um, uh-huh. we're not going to be able to continue doing what we're doing and we need to find somewhere else. Yeah, definitely. And uh, Star, War pla- Star Wars planets, well, we they are very famous also. Well, we can't forget those, obviously. And with such a different ecosystem, each one. In fact, it seems most likely like uh, each Star, War pla- Star Wars planet was like a different ecosystem, you know. It's we have Tatooine, old desert. Hmm. Uh, we had a hot, frozen planet. Frozen, yes. Uh, we had Javin, the moons of Javin 4, full forests and woods. That's uh, where those... Uh, and that's Endor, which is the moon of Endor. Right. Javin 4 was the uh, original rebel base right. where they were stationed. And then the moon of Endor as well happen to be similar to a forest as well. Yeah. With those little Ewoks. The little Ewoks, that was I knew they were going to come in somewhere. And and I don't know, what do you think? I think, um, obviously, the imagination, your imagination is driven by seeing these... Of course. ...fantastic vistas and images of these Uh imaginary worlds... Mm-hmm. Um, whether we will ever witness anything like that. Mm, yeah, that remains to be seen, but... Not in our lifetime, that's for sure. That's for, I think, for sure not. And But we have talked now, or mentioned right now, mm. planets that had uh, ecosystems and so on. Right. What about Trantor or Coruscant from right. Star Wars? Right. Or planets that got completely wiped out of anything... And are just a sphere, a bunch of a buildings <laughs> and constructions and metal and right. There's nothing left. Nothing of nature. Not a single space yes, for that. Not a blade of grass. Really. Uh-huh. Um, Do you think that would be possible to actually live in a planet like that? Well, or how how would you like to live in a planet like that? Well, I think I think it's one of those human type response situations where if you were transplanted from um, where we are currently uh, and the, you know, the kind of environment we currently enjoy and will continue to enjoy for some time yet, I think. If you were transported to a Trantor, which is from the... The Foundation. The founda- Asimov Foundation series. Uh-huh. Um, where, as you say, the environment is completely denatured. Mm-hmm. It is almost like um, a, a utter urban society mm-hmm. in that there is only the city. Um, 
if we were transported to such a place, we would feel alienated, wouldn't we? As of right now, the yeah, I, I, I don't, think so. I don't think, I don't think we'd know how to survive in that. We'd find it very difficult, I think. So I think, yeah. like, like, I lived in London in the London area for many years, uh-huh. and I witnessed over thirty years, for example. I witnessed um, urban development in uh, the centre of London, where literally streets were beginning are beginning to be covered by buildings in that there's so much pressure for space that they actually didn't limit buildings to the sides of roads. There are actually sections of modern London where the buildings actually bridge the road, almost like the road was an open road, but it's now a tunnel. <laughs> right? And you can imagine that continuing, that yeah. kind of development, right? Uh-huh. So you can kind of see the elements of some of these mm-hmm. some of these imaginary worlds in in the pressures we're already facing population pressures yeah. uh-huh. you know there's this concept that in order to accommodate our expanding population we're going to have to start building vertically to mm-hmm. to great heights mm-hmm. And they're not just going to be fancy hotels anymore. They're going to be complete environments with farms, everything, uh, housing, work, autonomous, sustainable buildings, right? Yeah, literally communities, Uh complete communities in vertical structures. This reminds me of another uh, planet from Star Wars, but there are, in fact, in science fiction, a lot of or similar planets, Mm. which are gas planets, in which you have floating cities. Right. The good old floating city. Yeah, like Vespin. Was the city Vespin, actually, yeah. yeah. Uh, And what is that? Do, do you, what is that from? Star Wars. That's a Star Wars. But oh, yes, right. Do you think uh, maybe this grow vertically, this need for space, mm. would lead into building these kind of cities floating in the air to be able to accommodate more space? Well, I, I tend more towards the... Um, I don't know whether people have seen uh, quite a recent film actually called Elysium. Have you seen that movie? Elysium. Yeah. Mm, it's based, I, I heard about, about it, but I don't remember if I saw it. Yeah, it's a very cool movie. And it, it basically, again... space Is that one of the space stations around Earth orbiting? It is, it is what they, in science, was originally called an O'Neill ring, it was called. Yes, and yes, I remember like now. A, it's almost like a... It, well, it wasn't in the Elysium. It wasn't quite an O'Neill ring because an O'Neill ring is meant to go all the way around the planet. Uh-huh. Um, but the Elysium was a huge orbital habitat, um, and of course, reflecting the problems we have on this planet, it was um, a stratified society. So basically, um, all the rich people went up there, lived on Elysium because <laughs> it was like you know paradise. Off- uh huh paradise off earth rather than on earth and then all the grunts and the workers were left to scrabble around on the surface you know so i actually do wonder whether we might see habitats at some point mm-hmm. you know uh, and now how could we make like our perfect or 
how would you put in an exoplanet? What do you think you would be needing to have in an exoplanet? If I was mail ordering one. Yes, let, let, we are going to just create one. Let's say that we have the powers to create an exoplanet right now. Right. What would you put in an exoplanet? What? Um, what you mean, what kind of environment would I... Yeah, similar. I mean, would well, you have uh, lots of vegetation? Well... Or mountains? Maybe you want plains? Obviously, I'm I'm British, so I would have a tendency to avoid having an environment that required the reinvention of umbrellas, for example. <laughs> right? So no rain. So I've had enough of umbrellas. Okay, now question. If we have no rain... How would you... No, I, I have no problem with rain as long as it doesn't occur when I'm on the street. out and about. So uh. clearly um, climate control would be an essential uh-huh. component, I think. Like making it rain only in the night when nobody's out. And making it rain in the right places. Uh-huh, where it's needed. Yeah, so... Uh-huh. Sounds like the harp experiment, right? The, the alleged harp. Actually. Alleged harp. I think yeah. you'll find that is the one the lawyers ringing us up. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, yeah, that kind of uh, that kind of. So I think a moderate climate. Uh-huh. Again, I'm British, so I'm used to being cold, cold, and usually dressed inappropriately for whatever the weather is. <laughs> and and obviously having an umbrella available at any moment because because uh-huh. that is the only way to guarantee that it won't rain is to carry an umbrella with you. So 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 in the UK, yes, the only guarantee of it not raining is to make sure you have an umbrella with you because you know that if you stray out even for a minute mm-hmm. without an umbrella. It will rain. So mm-hmm. I, I would prefer a planet with, um, I suppose, a, a what's the word? Um, temperate climate. So not tropical. Yeah. Um, but um, Mediterranean style? Um, or that's already too hot as well? I think that's too hot. So I'm kind of thinking 20 to 20, okay. 28 uh-huh. degrees, something like that. 18 to 28, that 10 degree band would be very nice. Oh, so, yeah, that would be great. So kind of like on this planet, we have this temperate zone, which is kind of, uh-huh. you know, above the equator area, mm-hmm. where, where the seasons are not extreme. No, actually, you can pass from one to another barely noticing. Exactly. So I'd like, mm-hmm. I'd like that kind of temperate, not wild swings in season. Mm-hmm. Raining in the right places uh-huh. at the right time. Now, we as humans are used to have a blue sky. We are. Do you think it will be interesting to have any other color? Well, again, because I'm British, uh, mostly the sky is it's gray. gray. <laughs> so it, it, if you live, certainly in the north of England where I'm from, Manchester, uh-huh. um, uh, we certainly have an uh, overabundance of cloud, uh, so much so that you would think you were living on Venus most of the time. Uh, and and the next thing you expect to come through the cloud cover is some kind of space probe that's going to take a sample and then take off again. But um, I quite like the idea of the kind of um, sky that we can see on Mars, for example. So uh-huh. the Mars sky is a... Pink, apparently. Pinkish, yeah. Pinkish color. Uh-huh. That's, you know, That's interesting, no? I quite like that. Uh-huh. And of course, if 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 you had this 
design a planet around a some kind of um, a cooler star, then the sky would probably be pinky red, mm-hmm, something mm-hmm. like that. And of course, it depends on the component of the atmosphere, of course. That's you know what I would like and it would be interesting. Although I don't know if it would be uh, in the long run something interesting to watch in the sky uh-huh. a binary star uh, or at least more than one moon or more than one moon that would be so cool to see on the sky all these things are interesting yeah. right? can uh-huh. imagine like uh, in some of the movies obviously we've seen where you kind of have two moons hanging in the sky yes that very cool. really cool and awesome yes yeah now do you think that terraforming would be something interesting Or like that would is actually the future for or just finding a habitable planet. What would be the easiest way? Yeah. Certainly finding, of course, might be the easiest solution, although you never know where it is well, and course, the distances. Of course there is the issue of it's all very well finding them. It's how the heck are we going to get there, right? Mm-hmm. That is the subject for another day, but mm-hmm. um I don't know, terraforming, we've seen it in the movies, right? Yes, in fact, for example, in uh, that one of uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, oh, uh, uh, Total Recall, right. the original. The original, I uh-huh. agree, <laughs> not the remake. They do the terraforming by melting the polar caps. Yeah, or which, uh, the like permafrost, wasn't it? Was yeah, the permafrost. permafrost. Yeah, uh-huh. which is interesting because... Obviously, that movie is 20, 25 years old. Yes, at least. And yet recent uh, data from Mars suggests that actually there is... A permafrost water there. ...water locked in the... In the... In, in fact, they have noticed that the water gets liquid, it goes out. There is some... There is some. <laughs> there is some indication of liquid water there, isn't yes. there? Yes. Although, yeah, I, I was just going to say that you you actually can't have liquid water on Mars currently because the uh, atmospheric pressure is so low that it just yeah. turns instantly into a vapor. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But uh, there's also the that other example from Aliens, the second movie, uh-huh. where they had those giant atmosphere converters that looked like power station. Creating uh, the necessary conditions. Yeah, kind of cycling, scrubbing the atmosphere and pumping the right stuff uh-huh. into the atmosphere. It all seems very complex, doesn't it? Yes. Uh, but I, I suppose you might say, well, if we have the technology to actually reach these places, presumably terraforming an atmosphere would not present that great a difficulty at mm-hmm. that time, right? Yes, well, I'm just thinking, for example, let's say that now we have many planets that have been discovered mm-hmm. to be uh, similar to Earth or probably mm-hmm. habitable planets. So you, probable. You're, you're talking about some point in the future where we... Yes, but let's say they are far away mm-hmm. and we have Mars. Mars. And then if you have the, the, the technology to terraform Mars, mm. what would be the best choice? Terraform Mars or travel that much distance? I think... Uh, the option, I think, would be terraforming. You'd always, you'd always take the shortest journey, wouldn't you? But yeah. we're a crazy species, so... Oh, yes, we are. Of course. That's, yeah. 
But, and there is a problem with Mars, obviously, which is no magnetic, magnetic field. field. And and this actually puzzles me about um you do you do actually read, don't you, about obviously we've seen various examples of Mars being terraformed in the movies and in books, you know, Red Mars, Green Mars, Blue Mars. Uh-huh. Um, I forget who wrote that those series of books. Um, uh, that was... Wait a moment. I, yeah. I had it here because I also checked it. Rafa hasn't got a photographic memory. He's looking it up. Kim Stanley Robinson. That's it. Good, good books. Yeah. Here's the thing that always puzzles me is that you still actually read uh, stuff about we should uh, possibly think about terraforming Mars. But what I don't understand is... What is the point of terraforming Mars when it can't sustain the atmosphere? So what is the point? Mm-hmm. There is no point, is there? So what about what about looking at, you know, something a bit more unusual like another planet or a satellite a moon that has enough has an atmosphere like Titan or Aha, that's a, exactly where I was going right mm. now. Uh, it's almost as if we're in the same There is uh, this thing about uh, there's water in there. Uh, Titan? Yeah. No, I think that's no. Enceladus, isn't it? Uh, Europa. Enc- Europa. Europa. Because Europa and Enceladus, they have yes. some kind of ocean, yes. subterranean ocean. Titan is the one that's kind of got a methane uh-huh. atmosphere. It's like a runaway. Um, mm-hmm. Runaway. It's like an example. It's like Venus. It's almost like an example of um, climate runaway, um, greenhouse effect. Yes, yes. Um, so, you know... Could be clearing, could clear the atmosphere. Could they be... Some kind of filtering somehow. <laughs> Giant scrubbers, right? <laughs> yeah. They would have to be pretty big. Yeah. And where would you put the exhaust pipe? That's that's That would be my Space. concern. Into a wormhole would be my suggestion. Yeah. Let somebody else worry about it. <laughs> because that's what we do, right? Yeah, that's right. What doesn't Typical. we need? And let's just start somebody else. Typical you. Let's yeah. put the exhaust pipe down that wormhole. They could sort it out. It's too far away to affect yeah. us. <laughs> we don't have to take responsibility. <laughs> and of course, uh, certain environments will be maybe very harsh for humans. Yes. Do you think that genetically modifying people would be also like a, a thing? Or people just getting used to live under domes and uh, control uh, environments? Mm, that's or, very, or suits, you know? it's very fragile, though, isn't it? Living in mm-hmm. these, these concepts of living in biodomes and all this. Yes. Stuff. Because all the experiments practically as well on good old Earth One. Uh-huh. Um, have not turned out too well. I don't know whether you recall, but there was a a really serious attempt at a self-sustaining biome, yeah. which was run by some international organization in some desert somewhere. Was in the, in the desert, yes, yes, like I remember that. that. And they had to abandon it because they could not figure out how to make it all kind of hang together. They were, uh-huh. they, they literally could not control all the factors that they were mm-hmm. affecting. So imagine if you were, now you could say it's the future, so maybe they'd figure those things yeah. out. Well, you, you, in, as another latest latest example, is speaking about movies, mm. you in The Martian. Great movie. Is something that they tried, or he tried to do, by 
getting his uh, growing his potatoes, his potatoes, and so on. Yeah, and it always comes a unpredictable situation cool. that yeah, can yeah. ruin everything, right? Yeah, but but I suppose you have to imagine that again, if even if we thought about living on Mars under domes or whatever, the technological point we'd have to be at to even consider that, you potentially would say, well, maybe we would have figured out how to make these things work. Potentially we're going to have nanotechnology at that mm -hmm. point. Maybe we're going to have ways of, you know, taking one form of something and turning it into something else using mm -hmm. using genetically modified um, bacteria and all that mm -hmm. stuff to break down waste products, blah, blah, stuff we can only do in petri dishes at the moment. We might mm -hmm. be able to do it on an industrial scale by then. Yeah. And that and, might make the difference. And inevitably, this topic of genetically modifying mm. takes us to aliens. I think it's inevitable to talk about exoplanets and life somewhere mm. else without mentioning aliens. We've got to mention the aliens because yes. some would say they're already with us. So. And that actually some of them might have modified themselves genetically to adapt to our conditions. Yeah, that's beyond, obviously, the mental adjustments. Of course. On the crazy <laughs> yeah, I imagine that, that yeah. first of all. Yeah. yeah, I'd make sure I read that leaflet before I arrived here. <laughs> yes. Yeah. They give them a leaflet. <laughs> Do you accept to live in yeah, this right. kind of conditions? <laughs> you will be get crazy for sure. Uh, can you imagine getting here and going, looking around, going, "This is nothing like the brochure says." <laughs> yes, like, oh my god, why did I sign for this? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And there's a theory saying that uh, that's why aliens are already among us, uh, or that there's an pro some kind of uh, modified. Uh, humanoids or uh, androids or things to... What, and the here is what? Is a um, part of a reality, galactic reality TV show or uh, a week with the Earthlings? Or yeah. Like that, which, <laughs> yeah. I'm an alien, get me out of here. Something like that. Yeah, oh, that would be funny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, this concept of aliens being here already, uh, do you think they... I never quite understand what are they doing here. Are they here as an advanced uh, reconnaissance? Or I, I think, yeah, I think that could go related to what we mentioned at the beginning. Mm -hmm. What could be the reasons for trying to find an exoplanet? And how and we can be an yeah. exoplanet for somebody else. That exactly. So that's why recently there has been. Uh, some kind of rejection to the project or to the idea of sending signals mm. to those planets or supposedly possible uh, inhabitable planets mm. that we have been finding sent just signals, radio signals, mm. uh, low frequency and so on, announcing we are here. Here we are and we're, and not, the, the and we're not very clever. Yeah. And, yeah, and the question will be, what if they actually here? Yeah. Well, and what is they going to be very easy to trace back that signal, yeah, and say, We found an exoplanet, yeah, let's go and check let's it go. out, <laughs> let's go and check yeah. it, let's go for a weekend, yeah. Right? But also, you could imagine that 
based on our history as a, mm-hmm. and let's face it, it is not uh, filled with glorious moments. But if you look at our history and how we have treated indigenous peoples when we find yeah. them, and obviously if we think of... It's not very nice. I mean, I'm I'm a Western European and the kind of examples I think of are uh, the Aboriginals in Australia mm-hmm. and then you've got the American the Americans, Indians and yeah. then of course in, I presume in South America where you're from, yes, the equally Mexico. examples. Yes, of course. Everywhere I believe it's a similar example. We, we obviously in the expansive phase as we as the infection that we are uh, spread mm-hmm. across the globe. Um, we didn't cover ourselves in glory, did we, in the way we treated those indigenous people. And you have to question, have we actually changed that much? If we, if we did go somewhere and found there was an indigenous species, mm-hmm. would we have the same attitude and... Coming back to your point, if there are aliens here already who, to their no doubt eternal regret, signed up for a um, for the trip here for the for the you know tour of duty on <laughs> on on the on the crazy planet, uh-huh. um, are they taking the same? Are they here? If they have to fill out a report to say. Should, should we move on and find somewhere else, or should we just... These guys are not worth saving. Just get rid of them get and we get the planet. Yeah, let's just take it. Yeah. I don't know, what do you think? Well, that's... Are we, are a, that, we that's a, Maybe. Maybe. Uh, maybe, that's not very... Maybe. Convince me. <laughs> How can I convince you of something that I, I'm not even sure myself it's we're actually worth? Hmm. You know? Well. well I think that for this you you start to think in certain um, values of uh, a species or that probably would be ruling a kind of code in the universe or uh, you know, how should a species be to be able to save which we don't understand what those values would be. We don't know. And, of course, maybe a civilization should be not allowed to... Expand. Expand, unless they can show themselves responsible enough. Yes. And I'm sure you would agree with me. Right now we are not there. (laughs) Really? We're not there yet. We don't know how to run our own backyard. Uh Exactly. Exactly. We, we cannot be trusted, can we, as a species? I don't think so. I don't think right now, no. Yeah. no. So I don't know what it would take for us to evolve to that point mm-hmm. because the signs are not good, are they? <laughs> no. We, we seem to have self-destruction built in to our yes. makeup. Our psychology is destructive. Yes. So I would like now to ask our listeners, Mm. give us your opinion. Tell us what, uh, how would be your ideal exoplanet to live in? Where would you like to live in? Yeah. Even even if it's an already existing sci-fi planet, tell us which planet would be and why. Yes, and why. I think why is the important part. Yeah. And I think another question would be, and what do you think you're going to do in on that planet? Uh huh. 
Okay, well, you arrive and then what? Yeah, well, are you going to continue being a... Like normal? A, a hairdresser, or would you maybe pursue something different? Yeah, farming. Farming? Is, I think that would be one of the main jobs at the beginning. Well... Until you start to expand civilization. Te- technology, right? If, we're, yeah. if we have the capability to go there, I think we probably we sold, won't right? farmers, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well... Give us your opinion. Yeah. It's very important to interact with us. And remember that we will always come back for your opinions and answer you uh, any questions that you might have as uh, well for absolutely. us. Absolutely. We're very interested. So that's it for this first part of the episode of our binary podcast, Down the Rabbit Hole. See you next week with all the science behind finding a new home. Yes, we look forward to it. See you next week. All names, sounds, logos, and other related items are owned by their respective trademark and copyright holders. This podcast is a production of Darkmind Radio. Go to darkmindradio.com to find out more. All rights reserved, Darkmind Radio, 2015.